Thank you so much for joining us at Remnant Church Podcast. We hope that you are encouraged by today's message. If you would like to know more or support this ministry, please go to remnantchurch.church. And now, the message from Pastor Caleb. I want you to turn your Bibles to Ezekiel chapter 37. I want to welcome you one more time here. Thanks for being here in our online audience today. We welcome you. Thanks for watching wherever you're at today. However you're listening or watching, if you're listening on a podcast or you're watching on a live stream as it's live or watching a rebroadcast later during the week, we're so glad to have you today as well. Ezekiel chapter 37, and it does my heart good. You just don't even get it to see you here today. Well, thank you. Their heart good as well. It really does. Honored that you're here today. I've missed some of you, very much so. Not that I haven't missed, let me say that again, a different way. (laughs) The ones who haven't been here recently, missed you very much. This morning, I want to bring your attention to a very powerful voice, an influencer in your life. A voice that we listen to more often than we should. This voice can represent an individual as well as a group of people. This voice often tells us how we should feel. This voice I'm talking about tells us uh, how we should think. For many of us, it has become a moral compass uh, telling us uh, what's right and what's wrong. What voice am I talking about this morning? What voice has this much power? It's the voice of they. They. They say this. They say that. You understand what I'm saying this morning? The voice of they. They tell us how we should think. They tell us wear a mask. They tell us don't wear a mask. They tell us it was going to die, the virus was going to die in the heat. Remember that during the summer? It was going to disappear. It was going to go away, come back during the flu season. They told us that. They tell us how we should feel about certain groups of people. They tell us what we should get mad about and what we shouldn't get mad about. And they tell us how, you know, if we should be offended or if we're, do you understand what I'm saying? They, they're they're an individual, yet they're a group, they're a movement, yet they're they're invisible. They tell us. And and, and we, like puppets, oftentimes are drug around and leaded and directed by they. But I'm not so concerned about what they are saying. We, the church, need to know what God is saying. What is God saying today? That's what I want to talk about for a few moments. What is God saying And I've took this radical, amazing story found in Ezekiel chapter 37. This is one of those stories like David and Goliath. I mean, it ranks right up there. We're going to be talking about God taking this prophet Ezekiel, putting him in a valley and showing him a bunch of dead bones. And then we're going to see God raise these bones to become an army. Uh, Let's look. Ezekiel chapter 37. 
the hand of the Lord was on me. And this is a narrative message. You know what that means? That means I'm just going to go through the verse. Verse by verse. I'm going to preach. And I'm going to stop. I'm going to preach a little. Then I'm going to read. And then I'm going to preach a little. And then I'm going to read. I'm going to preach a little. And then I'm going to preach a little more. Then I'm going to read a little more. And then I'm going to preach a little more. And then we're going to be done. You ready? Did you mark all those down, the reading and the preaching? That's like 24 of them. Get ready. The hand of the Lord was on me, and he brought me out by his spirit. We're not sure what that means right there. I, I can't tell you if, if, if Ezekiel was caught up in a vision or if God created a place for Ezekiel to be and see. And I'm not sure exactly what that happens. All, all I know is something happened. Ezekiel was taken out, brought out by the Spirit of God to be shown this vision, to see this thing. He brought me out by the Spirit and he set me down in the middle of a valley. Let me just say this. Maybe you find yourself in a valley this morning. Maybe this morning you came to church and you drove from a valley in a low place. You were in a low place. You're in a low place. You're feeling kind of low. You're thinking kind of low. You're right now in a low place. Well, you're in the right place today. Said he brought him to a valley. And in this valley, it was full of bones. And he led me all around them. There was a great many of them on the surface of the valley, and they were very dry. And I want to stop right there and point out two things. There were a lot of bones, and they were very dry, which means they had been dead, and they had been dead a long time. They were dry, and there was a bunch of bones, many bones. Friend, to me, that represents the condition of the church today. Did you know in Waycross, I alluded to this a while ago, in Waycross there's over 200 churches. In Ware County, there's over 200 churches. If you go to hell from Ware County, you went to hell on purpose. You was trying to get there. You passed all the churches, all the signs, everything, and you went to hell because you wanted to. There's over 200 churches, but here's the problem. A lot of our churches are very dry. A lot of our churches haven't had anybody saved in them since 2010, since Y2K, 2000. The baptismal pool is full of dust because there ain't nobody getting baptized. And I'll tell you why in a little bit, why that I think that's going on, but this represents to me, it can re represent, yes, individual lives dry, spiritually dry, but also I believe this represents the church. There's a lot of them, but they're very dry. It says there were many bones and they were very dry. Then he said to me, son of man, can these bones live? Now this is Ezekiel writing this. And he writes this question that God asked him. God said, Ezekiel, can these bones live again? And Ezekiel answered like I would have probably answered. Some of you would have think, oh yeah, God, yeah, sure. You can do anything. That's not what Ezekiel said. Ezekiel said, God, I have no idea. You know. If you say they can, then I guess they can. See, what Ezekiel was understanding and what he knew was this thing that needed to be done and the question that God was asking, the only person could do it was God. It wasn't Ezekiel. 
You know, and a lot of people think that if I just get this promotion or if I get this and happens in my life or I meet the right person or somebody loves me the way that I want to be loved, that everything is going to be all right. But can I tell you, everything won't be all right until you fall in love with God. He said, God, only you know. And he said to me, God said to Ezekiel, I want you to prophesy. Prophesy concerning these bones and say to them, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. He called them out. Dry bones. This is what I want you to say, Ezekiel. You say it like this. Dry bones. I, I think that's what God told him to do. I don't know. Maybe not. Maybe he said dry bones. Dry bones. But I think he said call them out. They were dead. They'd been dead a long time. There were a lot of them. They were very dry. I believe he said, Ezekiel, you say bones. Dry bones. Ezekiel said, dry bones. Hear the word of the Lord. This is the first point I want to bring out today. He identified the condition and he gave the prescription. Now I want you to turn inward for a moment. See, we've got to identify the thing in the area in our lives and bring it to the surface. Our hangups. He, the writer of Hebrews would call it the sin, the thing that so easily trips us up, traps us, and, and causes us to fall flat on our face. He says, call it out. We talk about and celebrate recovery. God can't heal you, what, heal you of what you're hiding. Let me say that because that's good. God cannot heal you of what you are hiding. You've got to expose it. You've got to call it out. Oh, like when Abrielle leaves a trail of wreckage in the home. I know Holly didn't do it. I know I didn't do it. I know Judah probably didn't do it. But it looks just like Abrielle. You know, when something's, she messed something up, went through the house and just left a trail of her destruction. You know what I do? I don't say, oh, oh Abrielle. <laughs> Abrielle, could you come out of your room and can we discuss some things? Is that how y'all do it? Let me let you inside the Lancaster home for just a minute. Some of y'all know what I'm talking about because you've heard me do this. Some of the staff here during the week, they know because Abrielle goes a lot to the church with me a lot of times. She can hear my voice wherever I'm at. She knows my voice. And I call her out. Abrielle! Boy, here she goes. Yes, sir, Daddy. Did you do this? Yes, sir. You think you want to straighten it out? 
Get it right? Yes, sir. I have to call her out sometimes. And let me tell you something. Until you call it out, it's going to continue to cause chaos in your life. Until you call the thing out, until you snatch it out from under the rug, until you go and put a light in the dark corner where it's hiding, until you call it out, it's going to continue to cause chaos in your life. Ezekiel called it out by name, dry bones. And then what did he do? He identified the condition and then he gave the word of God. He said, dry bones, don't hear me. Don't hear what they say. Don't hear what I think. Hear the word of the Lord. And there's some things in our lives we need to call out. Maybe it's anxiety. Maybe it's fear. Maybe it's sickness. Maybe it's disease. Maybe it's insecurity. Maybe it's addiction, emotional hurt, sickness. I don't know what it is, but it needs to be called out and identified. And then say, you have trespassed. Anxiety, no place in the child of God. Fear, no place for the child of God. Emotional hurt, I am healed. I don't have to carry around emotional baggage and emotional hurt. You're the ointment that heals. Your name heals. I don't have to, no weapon formed against me shall prosper. You give it the word. You call it out and say, hear the word of the Lord. Fear. God has not given me a spirit of fear, but of power and love and a sound mind. You call it out. I'm teaching you something right now. You call it out. Why? Because if it has a name, it's got a bow. If it's got a name, every knee and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. If it, mm, hallelujah. Glory to God. If it's got a name, it's got a bow. If it's got a name, it's got to go. Do you hear what I'm saying this morning? He called it out and he called it by name. He said, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the Lord God says to these bones. I will cause breath to enter you and you will live. I will put tendons on you. Oh, I love this. I'll put tendons on you. I'll make flesh grow on you. I will cover you with skin. You got the picture, right, of there's bones all over the place. I'll cover you with skin, and then I'll pre put breath into you, and you will come to life. Now, I want you to hear this for a moment. See something. Don't miss this. He said, I'll put tendons on you. I'll make flesh grow on you. I'll cover you with skin. I'll put, and then I'll put breath in you and you'll come to life. I've read through that and not thought anything about it. But this week, as I was preparing for today, God showed me something. This is the reversal of decomposition. When a body dies, the first thing to go is what? Breath. They quit breathing. 
Look at this is the very opposite. He said, I'll take the bones, put them together, put tendons on the bone, make flesh grow on the bone, cover the bones with skin, and then last, I'll put breath in you so that you will come to life. Oh, hallelujah. This brings me to my next point. Say point number two. Here it is. Quit replaying and rehearsing what God is reversing. I do too. <laughs> Quit replaying. See, God reversed the decomposition process. And I believe God is doing the same for you today. I believe God is getting ready to re reverse what we've been rehearsing. What do I mean by that? I mean, when you get in your car and you close the door and you're on your way to work and you think about how that interview went and it didn't go your way and you can't stand the fact that somebody got the job that you didn't get, that you should have got, that you deserved and they didn't deserve. The marriage that didn't work out, you replay it in your mind over and over. If I would have done this, if I'd have said that, it would have worked out differently. The relapse, all the... You think I was sober for this long and now I've relapsed and I've everything that I, all the good that I've done, the, 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 the forward motion that I had made, now it's, it's over. It's, it's, it doesn't even matter. You replay it and rehearse it in your mind. The lost job, the bad business decision, the moral failure, your bankruptcy, the past. The relationship that didn't work, what they said, what they did to you, how they made you feel, how they took advantage of you, how they cheated you, how they lied to you, how they walked out on you, how they talked about you. You understand what I'm saying? And you just rehearse this over and over and replay it in your mind over and over. But hear what I know what they said, but I know what they're saying. But hear somebody get this down in your spirit. But hear what God is saying. It's time to quit replaying and quit rehearsing all the failure. God is getting to revert, beginning to reverse that thing in your life. That's the kind of God that we serve. How do I know it? Because I've seen him do it. In my life, I've seen him do it in your life. And God is no respecter of persons. What he'll do for one, he'll do it for another. I don't know about you, but I believe I serve a God who's in the business of reversing things in my life. Do you believe that today? Can you give God praise for that today? Maybe there ain't nothing you need reversed in your life, but praise God for your neighbor who says there's some things in my life that I need God to reverse. I ain't like you. I ain't always got it right. There's some things I need God to reverse. Well, were they your fault? Yeah. A lot of them was. Well, God ain't going to do nothing about that because it was your fault. Really? And all the stupid things you've done? <laughs> and you've done? And we're still here? Right. Listen, if you, if you ain't dead, God is not done with you. Yeah, yeah Lord! Hallelujah! 
finished with you. <laughs> Woo! Hallelujah. Well, so I prophesied, verse 7, as I had been commanded while I was prophesying, speaking the word of the Lord, there was a noise, a rattling sound. I will stop right there. When you pray and you speak the word of God over your life and you pray the will of God over your life and over your situation, you can expect God to move. Let me tell you something. My prayer life is not some kind of emotional escape from reality. No, when I pray, I'm talking to the God of creation. I'm talking to the very creator. I'm, I'm talking to the one who holds it together, who breathed life into my body, and then who saved my soul and redeemed me from the curse of the law. I, I'm talking to Jesus. And when I pray, he goes to work on my behalf. Let me, let me help you with something. When you begin to pray, and you begin to pray the will of God, over your life, you better open your ears and open your eyes because you're going to begin to see God move. There's a lot of times that we say we don't see God move it's because we're not expecting God to move. We don't have our spiritual ears open and our spiritual eyes looking for God to move. But if you'll open yourself up to God, if you'll believe that when you pray God is moving and then you come to a place of expectation and you're making yourself God aware, where you're aware that God is moving in your life, you'll see God move. You'll hear the bones rattle. You'll hear things begin to shake. You'll see things come together. I'm preaching today. The bones came together. Let's see. Yes. A noise and a rattling sound, and the bones came together bone to bone. As I looked, tendons appeared on them. Flesh grew. Skin covered them. But there was no breath in them. Mm. Breath. The Hebrew word ruach, the Greek word pneuma, which means Spirit, the Spirit of God. He said there was tendons on them, there was skin on them, the bones were together, they looked the part, but there was no spirit. And in other words, there was, here's my third point. Thank you. I don't know, is that a thing we're doing now? No, I like that. Here's the third point. Okay. Structure without spirit is powerless. What do I mean by that? I believe these bones, this bone, this bone, it's like a stake of a, stakes of a tent. You got your tendons and you got the flesh and the skin, but the, the structure is the bones. You understand what I'm saying? But there was no life. The Bible says these now they got flesh over them. They, they look alive. They're just laying here now. All the bones are together. But there is no spirit in them. 
See, structure without spirit is powerless. A church that looks the part, sounds the part, has all the programs, they got the structure down pat, but they don't have the Spirit of God moving in their services and moving in the, in the, behind the pulpit and moving in the midst of the people. That church is powerless. Do you hear me? I don't want to be that kind of church. I don't want to be a church that's got the structure right, that's got all the programs and got the, got the small groups right and got it right when you walk in the campus and got it right when you leave and they get all the visitors' information and they got everything just right and they got the cameras and they got the lights and they got all the things that everybody says they should have. Now, I don't want to be that kind of church. I'm not against that, but I don't want to be simply structure because structure with no spirit has no power. Hear me, if you're trying to do life without the Spirit of God, you're trying to look the part, you're trying to sound the part, and you're trying to fool everybody, and you ain't got the Spirit, friend, all you got is religion. You have a form of godliness, but you have no power because you have no Spirit. But give me some people who will worship me, not me, Jesus. Worship Jesus in spirit and in truth. Give me some people who will say, God, I cannot do it on my own. God, I don't want to just look the part. I want to be the part. I just don't want to sound churchy. I want to be the church of the living God. I want not to be just structure and not be some facade. I don't want to be a whitewashed tomb in where, where, where bone, dead bones are inside of me. Lord, I want to be a life-giving source. I want to be a, I want to be a light that shines in the darkness. I, Lord, I don't want you to just flow to me, but God, I want you to flow through me. A structure without the Spirit is powerless. They looked the part, had no spirit, had no breath. Then he said, prophesy. Prophesy to the breath. Prophesy, son of man, say to it. This is what the Lord God says. Breathe. Come from the four winds and breathe into these dead so that they may live. So Ezekiel prophesied as he was commanded. And the Spirit of God, the breath, entered these dead bodies. And they came to life and stood on their feet a vast army. Here's my fourth point. God is not reviving you to sit and be a spectator. He's calling you to stand up and be an army. God doesn't put his spirit into you to sit down and say, preach to me, preacher. Fill me up. I'm going to just sit here. I'm just going to come to church on Sundays and then I'm going to live like, do whatever during the week and then I'll just come back and check the box off Sunday. Let me, let me, let me explain something to you. If that's what you're doing, well, just keep checking the box. Keep on coming. But I'm praying one day you go to check that box and God wrecks your box and tears you up from the... 
neck up down to the down to your shoes. Wrecks your life. Takes out all the dead, dry religion out of you and pours in his spirit, causing you to live like you've never lived before. God's not reviving us to sit and be a spectator. He's calling us to stand up and be an army. That's what he's calling you to be and us to be. Listen, listen to me. Of course, they say that it's terrible and it's bad and it's never going to get any better. It's all doom and gloom. And, but yeah, I expect the world to get exceedingly more wicked. That's what they're good at. It's what they do. That's what you've done before you got saved. But I believe the church is going to rise up. I believe this is the finest hour, Keith, for the church. I believe the best days of the church is not behind us, but are ahead of us. I believe we're going to see more miracles than we've ever seen before. I believe in the drought of darkness, God is going to pour out his spirit and pour out the water, pour out the life, pour out the Holy Spirit in our services. But not, I'm not just talking about in church and having good church, but I'm talking about in our lives, in our individual hearts. God is going to fill us to capacity. He's going to pour out his spirit upon us, upon all flesh. And we're going to march, not separately. This ain't a pastor-led thing. This is a God-led thing. And we're going to rise up shoulder to shoulder as an army. And we're going to take back everything the devil has stolen. Yeah. Sons, and daughters. You got somebody you're praying for? That if they were if they were to die today, they would go to hell? Do you have somebody in your family like that? Is there somebody you're actively praying for? Maybe it's a son. Maybe it's your daughter. Maybe it's your spouse. I'm believing <laughs> what the devil meant for evil and all the wickedness going on. It may not happen at once, but God is going to draw people and he's going to use everything that the devil wants to throw and it looks like havoc in the world. God's going to use it to bring his people, his children, his elect his sons, his daughters. So that's why it's so important for us to be a place where he can send people to. See, if we're just a structure with no spirit, God's not going to send anybody to your church. Now think about this as all of us and as this building but, and what we do here, but as a people as well. If you're not a structure with the Spirit of God, God's not going to send you lost people to minister to. Or you wouldn't do nothing but mess them up. You wonder why some churches never see new people come to them? Hear my heart for just a minute. Why new people never come to their church? 
Why do they never have any visitors? You know why I believe that is? It's because God's not going to send somebody into a war zone. He's not going to send somebody to a church where this one's talking about this one and this one's worried about what this one's doing. This one's talking about what they're doing and they're just back and forth. You think God's going to send somebody? He's trying to rescue from hell to a war zone? You've lost your mind. You think he's going to send them to a place where the spirit isn't moving? Where it's dry as a powder keg? Whatever that is. It's dry. No. He's going to send the lost and the hurting and the broken to a place where the spirit is moving. Where God is moving. Where God is dwelling. Where lives are being changed. Are we the only church? Absolutely not. But I want to be one of those churches. I don't want to miss what God is doing. I don't care what they're saying or what they think or how they think we should feel or what they think we should do. Friend, for for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. I'm going to wake up every morning saying, God, pour your spirit into my life. Hear me. This ain't my church. This ain't no board's church. This ain't no body's church. This is God's church. What God wants, God will do. What God says, I'm going to speak. And the Bible says this. If we'll talk about Jesus, if we'll preach Jesus, if we'll sing Jesus, if we'll make a big deal about Jesus, he said, I'll draw all men nigh from the north, the south, the east, and the west. He'll bring them in. Won't look like us? Good, because some of y'all ugly. Won't talk like some of us? Aren't you glad? Won't smell like some of us? That could be a good thing. Won't be the same culture, may not even speak the same language. But there will be a unity of love. Holy Spirit will arrest their souls. They'll find themselves at an altar calling out to God. You hear me? That's the kind of church I want to be. That's the kind of people I want us to be. With a, a people where the Spirit of God is. What is God saying? I want to recap, and we're going to, I'm going to close. God's saying this. God's saying, it's time to do something with this spirit that he's placed inside our lives. We can't sit down anymore. We can't wait for someone else to do it. God has chosen you, and God has called you. I believe with everything in me, that God is saying this to us today, that the things that looks like the devil has destroyed in your life, it's not too far gone. The devil comes to steal, to kill, and destroy, but God sent his son Jesus so that we would have life and life more abundant. Quit replaying and rehearsing, thinking that your best days are behind you, friend. Your best days are ahead of you. 
And then I believe God is telling us this. It's time to identify the things in our life that are holding us back. It's time for us to identify the dry places in our lives and speak the word of God over them. There's two things here that are important in this story. You've got the word of God and the spirit of God. The word of God was the instruction. The spirit of God was the power to do what was instructed. You need this breath and the spirit. We need the spirit and the breath of God. If you're going to overcome addiction, it's going to be through the power and the spirit of God. If you're going to overcome fear and anxiety, it's going to be through the power and the spirit of God. If you're going to be able to walk in freedom, it's going to be because of the power and the Spirit of God. I don't care what they say. You know, I had somebody sit down and tell me, Pastor, and they were really upset. And some, to, so some of y'all, you're, you're, going to, you're going to downplay this, and I get that. But if you would take yourself back to where these people are, I had somebody sit in my office and they said, Pastor, I'm kind of upset. I said, okay. What's up? They're young. They're married. They love the Lord. They want to have children. And someone had said to them, and I've probably said this too, I don't, I thank God I don't have to raise a child up in this world today. And then after somebody said that to these people, somebody said it again. And it really bothered this person. It really bothered them because what it was saying to them was we should just basically give up and quit. But see, the God, and I'm going to use this in a broad sense, God tells us to be fruitful and multiply. I'm fixing to tie this all together. He didn't say just when things are good or if everything is right. No, he said, go make babies. Don't look at me. I've done made two. <laughs> and they said, it bothers me because, I, I mean, this is what God has told us to do. And everybody, they are telling me not to. And it struck a chord with me, not the individual situation, but this. They want us to put our lives on hold. Everything, church, having babies, going to school. They want us to put our lives on hold. But can I tell you the God of last year is the God of this year? I'm not going to put my life on hold. 
Why? Because God has given me a vision and a purpose and a plan. And he gave me this plan and he gave me this purpose and he gave you the purpose and he gave you the plan and he gave you promises and he gave you a vision and he meant it was going to happen. You see what I'm saying? They want us to stop. And God is saying, it's time to move forward. Hear me. Is the world going to get more wicked? Yeah. Can you expect bad things to happen in the world? Yes. But God is still a God of his children, the father of his children, who looks after his children, that wants to give good gifts to his children, who loves his children, who will protect his children, who promises to never leave or forsake his children, who will guide and direct his children. All God's blessings are out in front of me, not behind me. What I'm saying, church, is rise up, O army of God. March forward. Listen, there's much land to take. There's a lot of souls that need to be saved. There's a lot of lives that need to be changed. There's a lot of drug addicts out there. There's a lot of kids that don't know who their mom and daddy is. They don't have nobody to raise them. What, what's the answer to all that? Poverty is rampant. What's the answer to all that? Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. Stand with me all across the building. We hope that you were encouraged by today's message. If you were, please feel free to share on social media, subscribe, or leave us a review. We can't wait for you to join us here again.